Construct 2007, Designing the User Experience, a one-day conference in Brighton, England on September 7th. Deconstruct is back. The coolest web conference of the year will be taking place on September 7th, once again in Brighton, England. Mark it in your calendars now. The theme for this year is designing the user experience. And in the next few weeks and months, I'm going to be recording some podcasts in the run-up to the event itself. I'll be talking to people who are at last year's Deconstruct, people who spoke at last year's Deconstruct, people coming to this year's Deconstruct, people who are really speaking at this year's Deconstruct, and people completely unrelated to either Deconstruct, but who I find interesting or relevant to the theme. Before that, I wanted you to cast your ears back to last year's Deconstruct. The theme then was APIs and mashups. And the day got off to a start with Jeff Barr from Amazon. Jeff explains exactly what it is he does at Amazon. My job is to actually go out and travel the world and talk to developers about all the, uh, the cool stuff we're doing with web services at Amazon, encourage developers to build applications. And also, I love to have time afterward for one-on-one -on -one discussion and so forth. So a couple little uh, little suggestions, ideas, rules. Please feel free to blog about what I've said. My job is all about communication and getting the word out about what we're doing and what other developers are doing with web services at Amazon. So the, the more the better. And if you, if you like anything I've said and you, you feel like sharing it with your friends, please feel free to go ahead and do that. With the ground rules established and the introductions out of the way, Jeff went on to talk about Amazon's myriad APIs. He talked about elastic computing clouds. He talked about simple storage services. And most intriguingly of all, he talked about the Mechanical Turk. Let's talk about the Amazon Mechanical Turk. The idea here is we have a web service API for computers to actually have what we call artificial artificial intelligence, basically human processing power, to, to pull that into their applications and make requests of, of people to do work. That those work requests are called hits, human intelligence tasks. People with work to be done are, are called requesters. Um, the people doing work are called workers, of course. And then qualifications are a set of rules to control the skills of those workers. The idea is the requesters make web service calls to the Mechanical Turk site. They load work and payment information into the site. Workers from all over the world can go to mturk.com. They can find particular kinds of work. They can meet any particular rules or qualifications for the work. They do the work. The work is returned to the requester, and then the workers are paid for successful work. So we can put the human into, into a, a processing loop. Jeff Barr, putting the human into a processing loop, sounds slightly sinister. Jeff is obviously very interested in technology, and that's mostly what he was talking about. But the technology does have big implications for the user experience. And here Jeff talked about some very interesting technology user experience crossovers. I wanted to show you a couple late-breaking things. They're very, very cool. So there's this really cool 3D virtual environment called Second Life. And we've got developers building applications that are Amazon-powered inside Second Life. This is a search tool called Second 411. If you know Second Life, there's a thing called a HUD or a heads-up display, something you can map into your, your view. So as I'm wandering around the, this, the, the world, if I need to like, do searches, I can actually do Amazon searches inside that world. We've got pe people building storefronts. Here, here's a store called Life to Life. And I actually walk into this store. I use a chat command to talk to that little blue orb in the center. I send it search commands behind the scenes. It makes an Amazon ECS call. It gets the results, and then it displays book titles. Uh, as a result, appropriate enough, I searched for snow crash and found that uh, in inside this 
inside the 3D environment. Of course, I can click from here and go to Amazon. So I can go from the virtual world over to the real world. This is a, a, a virtual kitchen, and I can actually use, I, there's an expert technology, expert system technology behind this, and I can actually use it to, it'll interview me about products I'd like to, to purchase, ask me a set of questions, and then based on my results, it'll guide me to the most appropriate set of products. That's actually my avatar sitting there on the screen. And then there's also a virtual bookstore as well. Some very, very cool things people are building in this environment. And just to show you how virtual it gets, this is me giving a presentation, giving the same presentation I did today. I gave last Tuesday inside Second Life to a, an audience of about 40 avatars. Uh, very, very cool way to do it. I spent about an hour presenting and another hour uh, asking questions and answering questions and chatting and so forth. So that's the future of presentations is you'll get your avatar and you'll show up in, in, in this 3D world. The future of presentations? Maybe, but we'll still have Deconstruct in the real world this year rather than in Second Life. But Second Life is pretty cool. And actually, if you're a Python or a C programmer and you're interested in working inside a virtual world, Linden Lab are hiring, and Linden Lab are opening up a big office right here in Brighton. Send your CV along to Jim Perbrick if you fancy working for a cool company in a cool place. Back to last year's Deconstruct. Once Jeff Barr was finished, we heard from Paul Simon. No, not one half of the dynamic duo Simon and Garfunkel. We had a much more dynamic duo. We had Paul Hammond and Simon Willison. Uh, we've got quite a lot to talk about this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about how web services are used by large companies. And we're going to talk about some of the problems that we have at Yahoo and explain why APIs and web services are so important to us. We're hopefully going to share some of our experience with you. One thing we're not going to do is we're not going to go into any technical detail. Hopefully Jeremy, who's following us, will be covering that in the next session. But before we go any further, I think it would probably be helpful to provide some context about Yahoo. Okay, so um, Yahoo's kind of an interesting company in that it does a huge amount of things, and it's quite rare to meet someone who's actually got a, even, even within the company, who's got a good idea of everything that's going on at Yahoo. So obviously um, Yahoo has a search engine, and there's Yahoo Mail, which is an extremely popular um, uh, webmail application. And then there's, there's things like Yahoo Messengers. Then there are the newer products. This is um, Yahoo Answers, which has just, just launched in the UK and is already proving that, you, that Brit British people ask much smarter questions than Americans do. Um, here's Yahoo Personals for finding love. There's um, Yahoo Movies. Um, this one's uh, oh, Yahoo Finance. And of course, that's, um, that's English language sites, but Yahoo spans multiple countries. I think we have... Um, uh, websites in 32 different countries and a whole bunch of different language, languages. So this is Yahoo France, and this is my personal favorite. This is Yahoo Career, which um, always looks really pretty on a slide, I think, and um, uh, of, often does the things that Yahoo in the U.S. do, but with a distinctly Asian slant to them, which is really interesting. And then there's the new acquisitions. So I, hopefully everyone in this room knows about Flickr. Um, there's Delicious, which is the social, uh, social bookmarking service. And there's Upcoming. This is Upcoming talk talking about Deconstruct, which is our social event listing site. And there are other new acquisitions like WebJ, which is a social playlist thing. But the important thing, the, the thing I'm really trying to get across is that not only is Yahoo the, the biggest website in the world, and we've got numbers to back that up, there are over half a billion unique users visit Yahoo-branded um, properties every month. And that's an awful lot of people to cope with. Um, 200 million of those are active registered users, so they have a Yahoo ID and they sign into the site and they do something with it. And that all adds up to 3.9 billion page views a day across the whole Yahoo network. So this is, this is a, a really, there's a huge amount of traffic, huge amount of people. 
And as I mentioned earlier, this is a really varied line of products. So there's a, Yahoo can kind of be, um, you can think of Yahoo as almost a coalition of 40 smaller product groups, some of them from external companies, some of them developed internally, all, um, all, all working together um, more or less to, um, to put this, this massive network, um, to get this massive network up on the web. Having established that Yahoo is big, really, really big, the boys went on to talk about how APIs and web services are pretty much the only sane way of getting all of these products and services to talk to each other. Having heard from the big guns like Yahoo and how APIs and web services help a big company, I then went on to talk about APIs and web services from the perspective of the lone developer. And specifically, I wanted to talk about how much fun APIs could be. I'm not from Yahoo, I'm not from Amazon, I'm not from a big company. I'm just a lone developer, and I want to talk about my experiences. Specifically, uh, I wanted to talk about, about the, the fun, the happiness that you get uh, from APIs, because you can get a lot, of, a lot of joy out of it. Uh, mostly, though, I just want to talk about me. So that's what I'll be doing for the next 45 minutes. And that's what I did. I talked about me, me, me. I gave the presentation equivalent of showing my holiday snapshots. I showed websites I'd built and talked about how I had built them using web services and APIs. And then I even managed to squeeze in a subject very dear to my heart. I've gone on this journey from learning plain old HTML back in the day when I built that first website for my band. And I learned all those other technologies. I learned JavaScript and I learned the PHP and the MySQL. And then I messed around with the APIs. And I did get a lot of fun out of messing with the APIs. But right now, I have to say, where I'm getting the most joy is from microformats because it has rekindled the joy of HTML, that original joy I got when I first went online. That is why I've organized a fairly uh, impromptu microformats picnic, because I want to talk about microformats a lot more, and I'm going to be done here in a few minutes. So out the back, there's a park. Um, the weather looks pretty nice today. I've ordered some sandwiches, but I think you're going to have to you know, bring some food with you. Let's all meet up in the park, and I want to, we can talk about microformats. And so began the infamous microformats picnic, complete with micro-sandwiches that went a surprisingly long way. A gaggle of geeks gathered in the park, and I stood there and pontificated upon micro-formats. Apparently some passers-by asked if this was a religious meeting. I'll refrain from commenting. After lunch, things got back down to business with Brighton resident Aral Balkan. When I was here last year, uh, I started out by uh, basically putting up my hands and saying, don't shoot me, I'm a Flash developer. Um, of course, this was tongue-in-cheek, but I wanted to highlight the rift that um, exists between our communities, or that existed. I think in the one year since the last Deconstruct, uh, we've made great inroads into reducing that rift, removing that fence. Um, and I know personally that I've learned a lot about uh, the web standards community, and I've learned uh, a lot of, uh, of things uh, like the, the reason for microformats, Jeremy. Thank you. And uh, I think we've done a lot to uh, update the perceptions that people have of, uh, on both sides of the fence, because I think our perceptions do sometimes get frozen in time. Uh, on the Flash side of things, perhaps around the Flash 4, Flash 5 uh, time frame, uh, and on the, on the web standards field, back when you know, browsers were completely incompatible and there, there, was a, there were a whole bunch of hacks, etc. So I think that we've done a lot, though, in that year uh, to kind of bridge that gap. Having established a spirit of peace, love, and understanding, Aral went on to introduce himself and his subject matter. Before I start, well, who am I? Well, I flash for a living, which 
doesn't mean that I uh, expose myself to random strangers, but that I create applications and experiences on the Flash platform. I also talk about flashing. I talk about flashing quite a bit. Uh, this year, I've presented at Flash Forward and uh, at Flash in the Can. So I also flex, uh, which of course doesn't involve a lot of muscles, but rather um, a product, a set of uh, products called Adobe Flex, uh, um, with which you can create applications uh, using a declarative markup language, MXML, and script with an ECMAScript compliant scripting language called ActionScript 3. But what really excites me isn't so much the technical stuff, but things like agile development and extreme programming. In other words, development process, because I feel that we have a real lack of understanding of development process across the board in our field, and that it affects us on a daily basis in terms of our welfare as developers and as development teams. This is also why I love user-centered development, putting the user central to the development process and reducing the risk of projects that way. Uh, and of course, usability design, patterns, and testing all comes into this. It's interesting that even though Aral came to talk about technology, he still needed to clarify just how important user-centered design and methodologies are. He then went on to completely blind us with science, showing us how to do mashups using Flex and Flash and other cool technologies. At this stage, we were really getting down and dirty with the nitty-gritty of technologies on the web, and our next speaker, Derek Featherstone, was really going to get his hands dirty and show us some code. So this is me, I'm Derek Featherstone, I'm a, a teacher, a web developer, and an accessibility consultant. And one of the things that I'm hoping to share with you today is some of the experiences that I've had over the last year uh, working with uh, people building applications that are, that are uh, using a lot more JavaScript than they used to, and trying to find ways to make those more accessible. Uh, I'm, I think one of the things that I'm going to try and show you, hopefully, is some examples and give you some things to think about that maybe you haven't thought about before, maybe you have, and if you have, that's great. Um, but hopefully, uh, you'll see through the illustration of a few examples some of the things that we need to take into consideration to make these types of applications more accessible. And so we got some hands-on demos of accessible, rich internet applications. So we'd covered accessibility, and Flash, and Flex, and APIs, and mashups. We even had some microformats in there. But to be truly buzzword compliant, we had to get some tagging in there. So Thomas van der Waal came on, and he didn't introduce himself. No, he introduced the concept of tagging. The definition of tagging is a simple uh, data or metadata externally applied to an object. It's used for sorting. It's a hook for aggregating. You can place a hook on an object and essentially tie a string on it and pull things back in. And the definition for tagging is essentially not necessarily the web, but it's those tags that were put on binders and boxes by anthropologists uh, when they're going out and digging in fields. And this is how essentially they use putting tags on boxes and objects as well. As he went into more detail on the subject of tagging, Thomas made a slightly unfortunate cultural reference. We start looking at the business gains from that, and it becomes an improved understanding of the customers. We know what they're talking about. We know what they call our products. We can start seeing if they're tagging things that the Amfax 5000, uh, it's like dog pen. It's like, dog pen? Why is it, you know, dog pen tag? And it's like, oh, it cleans dog pens really well. Um, and the rubbish that's excreted from your dog is actually cleaned up really well uh, by the Amfax 5000. 
So it's like, oh, we have an understanding of how the people are using it. We understand how to market this product. We never thought about putting it in dogging magazines. But it's, you know, it's now something that we would consider. <laughs> I've said something funny. I don't understand what. Um, understanding current terminology is I don't. Ah, <laughs> uh, that Thomas Van der Waal, he's such a comedian. At this stage, we had covered a lot of technologies, and I think we even had at least one full house in the ongoing game of buzzword bingo. It was time to tie it all together, and that's where Jeff Veen comes in. Jeff's talk acts as a nice segue between last year's Deconstruct and this year's Deconstruct. So we talked a lot about how to use web services and appropriate uses of web services and um, uh, accessibility and tagging and all of these things sort of getting us very excited. I could tell there was a lot of excitement in the crowd as people are like, I want to go back home and start using this stuff. Um, I want to talk a little bit about why we would do this and for whom we would do this. I want to talk about designing for the user experience. Um, and there's really, if you'll bear with me just for a few minutes uh, before the drinks start, uh, I will try to convince you of just two things. That the user experience work, the design work that we do today, is far, far different from how we used to do it. And that the way in which we do it now is entirely dependent on talking to our users and some user research methodology. Those are the two things I want to talk about today. Jeff then gave a fantastic overarching talk that transcended the technology and talked about the user experience and talked about user testing, the themes that are going to be so crucial to this year's Deconstruct. And his closing remarks pretty much sum up our plans for Deconstruct 2007. And that's an interesting way to think about user research in our industry that if we can get all of this sort of understanding of the best practices, of uh, the ch technological changes, the business drivers, and a deep understanding of what resonates with our users in our context, then we can sort of stand on that foundation and do the really creative and really interesting work. So design, design and research should be fundamentally uh, combined, just like the standards that the people who build stuff and have been building stuff for decades centuries how they have because that's the only way frankly that we're going to take all the cool stuff that we saw today the web services and the tagging and the, the everything that we looked at that looks so exciting and move forward in a way that's really meaningful and really get stuff done so that's what we're going to do for deconstruct 2007 we're going to take a look at all the cool stuff from deconstruct 2006 and see how we can apply it in designing the user experience in the next few weeks and months, I'll be going into more detail about the speakers we have lined up and the subject matter of Deconstruct 2007, and I hope that you'll join me for that. Talk to you soon.